Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. Whenever there is a sublimation point, there is great upheaval. Because sublimation means a complete change from one perception, which includes with it all of the accompanying opinions and attitudes, changing to a brand new perception with all of the new opinions and attitudes. And the attitudes and opinions, just like your physical existence, are life forms. And no life form desires to die. Even suicide is not the desire to die, it's the desire for change. And therefore, within every, since billions of years, within every life form, there is a sustenance or a sustaining gene, a sustaining component that causes it to sustain not its mortal self, but its continuing self, which in the form of creatures is the species, and that's the reproductive drive. Each time at this level, what we're talking about in sublimation is a dimensional sublimation. Seven and a half million years ago, when we began to stand up, the reason it took us four million years to master standing was because we needed to move our eyes from where they were. Because the eyes were very much sideward viewing prior to standing up. Because when you're like this, you don't actually need to see forward. Because to see forward, you just go like this. But you definitely need to see side to side. So the needs were different. And when you just see side to side, you see in a single plane. And a single plane is two-dimensional. It's like the screen of your television. You make up that it's three-dimensional in your brain, but it's actually just quite two-dimensional. So.
So as we began to stand, we didn't understand. Hmm. There you go. Source of a word. We didn't understand depth. But we needed depth because we had exhausted the resources in our two-dimensional environment, which was very limited. It happened before, from one to two, here it is from two to three, and over the last hundred thousand and some years, we've added the fourth dimension, which is time. And that was added by the brain creating memory, retaining memory, retaining an impression of what took place a moment before. And as we created, as we produced memory, we created anticipation, and so we created the future. Then we are, now the whole life is about planning for the future. Right? People spend more, perhaps, time planning for the future and worrying about the past than they do living in the present. And therefore, the present has become quite disastrous. We never could comprehend the next dimension until we had completely developed the mechanisms to experience it. We could understand that there was something out here, and I'm looking this way, because like a fish, like a bird, like a lizard, I'll just go like this. Now I see you, but I see you still in a two-dimensional plane. I don't actually experience you as the third dimension. So it took four million years for our eyes to fully rotate forward. And that wasn't the only thing that the eyes needed to do. The eyes also needed to coordinate with the brain so that it could do geometry, which meant that the brain would converge the eyes so that I knew how far away you were. Because my eyes would converge on you my brain, if you know geometry, you can know the depth of a triangle because it's a triangulation, right? You can know the depth of the triangle if you know the baseline, the length of the baseline, and the angles off the baseline. You can know all there is to know about a triangle with two sides and the common angle, or one side and the two common angles, the two, the two attached angles to that side. So what my eyes are constantly doing with my brain is my eyes are converging on you, and then I am determining how far away you are, and I'm determining which ones of you are further away than other ones, and that way I get you all lined up as you are sitting in the third dimension. And that took four million years to do because that is necessary. How many have ever tried to do this with your eyes closed? A little more challenging, isn't it? 
So the eyes are a key to accepting the balance that is. The eyes coordinate with the inner ear, the cochlea in the inner ear, which has all of these microscopic hairs, and the cochlea in the inner ear feels your body's slightest shift of angle. And the eyes fixate on a point to try to maintain the stability. And the combination of those two senses give us the capacity, and we developed that capacity over four million years, and three and a half million years ago, we remained standing. We could stand up and remain standing. Took us not as long because every time we make a progression, it takes us less time. It took us not as long to develop the capacity for the fourth dimension, which is that of sequential time. And that was to store memory and then to, you, then to recall, because we were storing the information, but we weren't recalling it. And so what we had to develop was exactly what we actually help to maintain its health in Kirtan Kriya, Satanama. And we did a test to prove this yogic knowledge in a medical laboratory years ago where they put us in a, an MRI tube and we were doing Kirtan Kriya and they saw that the hippocampus, part of the limbic system of the brain, was engorging in blood while we were doing this meditation. And the hippocampus is the assembler of information. So the hippocampus will know that the information is not current, but it's an impression. So if it's not current and it's an impression, then the brain will immediately believe that it's something that's already happened. Right? And then, just like depth perception, the brain will converge as to how long ago it happened. Was it here? Was it here? Was it here? Was it here? Was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? Was it a year? And the brain tries to keep track of all of that information. But it doesn't keep track of the information. It keeps track of the index of the information. So it just stores the information, but the index knows where it's stored. Just like the index of a book, just like the index of a hard drive. And as long as that index, which is the hippocampus, is working properly, you have recall. When the index, the hippocampus, begins to break down, it's called dementia. And there's various forms of dementia. This stimulating the tips of these fingers and using ha ta na ma sa ta na ma works the vibratory on the limbic system from the roof of the mouth and also works the nerve endings of the limbic system on the tips of the fingers. And so, two, two, four, two, two. Two out loud, two whisper, four silent, two whisper, two out loud. Is now becoming a standard in medicine. Kirtan Kriya is becoming a standard in medicine. And it's starting to spread remarkably.
But what that does is that allows us to understand, to comprehend the fourth dimension. And we must master the fourth dimension in order to become capable of moving through what is taking place now. And right now, the sublimation point is between the fourth dimension and the fifth dimension. Just like 130,000 years ago, it was between the third dimension and the fourth dimension. And three, uh, seven and a half mil uh, million years ago, it was between the second dimension and the third dimension. And billions of years ago, it was between the well, actually, it was probably more like 350 million years ago when the mammalian brain began to develop because the reptilian brain, which preceded the mammalian brain, was strictly two-dimensional. As you see, all birds and reptiles are two-dimensional. They look at you like this. So, 350 million years ago, we were moving from two dimensions into three dimensions, and then, excuse me, we were moving from one dimension into two dimensions, and then seven and a half million years ago, we were moving from two dimensions into three dimensions, and 130,000 years ago, we were moving from three dimensions into four dimensions, and now we've basically vacated now because we live in the fourth dimension, we live in time. And we invented a measuring device for time, and it's called money. And that's going to all shift, and that's why banks and, and hedge funds and all this mechanism that surrounds money have become a feeding frenzy. Banks are no longer a place where you store your money. A box in the ground is where you would store your money. If you give it to a bank, there's a story. And all, all of the mechanisms that are based in money are going to die. And therefore, that world is going crazy. What used to be valued as a million is now valued as a billion, is now valued as a trillion. It's meaningless. Because it's a subjective meaning, but it's a fourth dimensional measurement. And so time is becoming worthless. You can go to a wedding party because there's one bad person, or what you consider two-dimensionally to be bad, to he and his family, he's considered a hero. Because he's standing for something, correct? It's all a matter of where you're based and how you're viewing whatever it is as to whether your two dimensions are good or bad. We believe that ours is good and it's all good and everything else is bad. That isn't the case. That's two-dimensional thinking. But you bomb 19 people in a wedding party to get one person, that's as bad as what happened in Paris to those families. And remember that. Because you're going to go out into that world and you're going to have to function in that world. And if you're thinking two-dimensional, you're not moving forward. You're stuck. And if you're stuck, you're going to be miserable. And then you'll just get stuff to make your misery acceptable. Like 90-inch televisions instead of 42. 
Get a bigger screen to see your two dimensions on and you'll think there's something more to be seen. That, I am raising my voice in this moment because that we must remove from our system in order to move forward. Now, just like moving from one dimension to two, from two to three, from three to four, something new had to physiologically develop. Something new had to physiologically develop, but also the dimension was always there. What had to develop was the ability to perceive the dimension. Cats don't know how far to jump. They overcompensate. And then in midair, they kind of like check it out in the, two, in the second dimension. <laughs> and then they always land on their feet and then they go, that was cool, wasn't it? You know? <laughs> However, all domestic animals, including cats, dogs, etc., etc., have developed a greater frontal vision just because of their association with us, and we've required them to. But creatures in the wild are very two-dimensional. What is developing now in order for us to perceive that which has always been there, the fifth dimension, which is the energetics that do not appear to the five senses. Your auric body. The connection between you and me. Not just our philosophical connection, not just the connection of our belief system, but the actual connection. And the connection, if I'm in dis-ease, to my original form, which was in ease. So that if I'm in dis-ease, I could suddenly retrace my steps back to ease. If I'm outside of joy, I could retrace my steps back to joy. If you are bugging me, I could retrace my steps back to where I and you are the same. The first sutra of the Aquarian age, see the other as yourself. So when I suddenly, you're bugging me, that means I have created a stress because I've created a dysfunction. I have actually created a belief that you're not me. And what you're doing is nothing that I'd want anything to do with, so I try to walk away from you, and that discomfort won't leave me. So I say, I call you up on the phone, I say, would you stop that? And what am I doing? I'm believing in a two-dimension, good, bad. You're bad, I'm good. And I'm functioning in a three-dimension, but it's not the case. It's five-dimensional, six-dimensional, seven-dimensional, eight-dimensional, 27 dimensions of four factors each, 108 total. And we're all strung out on the fourth. <laughs> we got a long way to go. 
As a matter of fact, we're not strung out on the fourth. We're addicted to the fourth. We came to this continent and we traded trinkets for Manhattan Island, which has now got to be worth what? In those stupid measuring sticks. We traded trinkets because the people that were living there just thought we were giving them trinkets. Because they didn't know that we were taking the land because then nobody can own land, right? What was it that Chief Seattle said? How can I agree to have that which nobody can own? When said, we'll trade you this land for this land. We gave you this land up front, but now we want it back. We'll give you this other land because it's shittier. Right? And the Native Americans were not living in four dimensions because they didn't have a need for four dimensions. They were actually living in the fifth dimension quite, quite clearly. And what do you have to do to live in the fifth dimension? You have to be able to walk through three dimension with non-convergent vision. If you can parallel your eyes, you can enter the fifth dimension. You can see the aura. But convergent vision is a survival mechanism. I need to see where you are. I need to see where that is. I need to know what that's doing because I have trained my biological system and it's in my DNA. It's not an intellectual fact. It's in my DNA that I will protect myself from all objects and personas and whatever it is that surround me. Watch your step. Right? You're not going to walk across the street in the fifth dimension. <laughs> now you're there. No more three dimension for you. <laughs> right? So we need to be able to move in and out of it at will. That's an even greater mechanism. First, you've got to learn how to get into it. And why do you not want to get into it? Because you're afraid you'll never get out of it. Oh, boy. That's a fear of survival in the three dimensions, right? Yes. I must maintain my life in three dimensions, in four dimensions, so I don't dare adventure into the fifth. And I'm definitely not prescribing that you take psychotropic herbs. Because psychotropic herbs aren't going into the fifth dimension. It's watching a trailer of a movie called The Fifth Dimension. And you're not even getting to watch the whole movie. You're just seeing a trailer. The stupidest thing to do is to take psychotropics. Why? Because they make you spiritually lazy. Because if you can see trailers all day long, why spend the enormous amount of time, you know, two and a half hours every morning for a thousand days, you know, just drop a tablet. Right? Why go through the rigors of having to develop your capacity to be there when you can just 
and watch it from a distance. Hmm? Fifth dimension. Now, it's always the case whenever a dimensional sublimation is taking place, there are predecessors, there are adventurers that go there early on and tell everybody that it exists, it exists. Hey, I'm telling you, there's more to this thing than meets the eyes, ears, nose, <laughs> skin, tongue. Hmm? Who are these people? Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, Muhammad, Rumi, Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, huh? Zodiaster, huh? Meaningful ascended masters. And what happens? What happens after those people go there and come back? They get made special. They could go there because they were special. No. They could go there because you can too. And the same thing happened. Can you imagine? Do you remember when you were a primate? And you were one of the adventurers and you stood up? And everybody in the village started talking about you. How crazy you were. Can you believe that Guru Singh? He thinks he's some hot stuff because he stands up every once in a while. And he says, beyond the shore of the mangroves, there's dry land. Who would want dry land? And then a few generations went by and Guru Singh became an icon, a hero. Because people were going out and they said, yeah, Guru Singh told us about this. He was such a prophet. But that can't happen again. We can't just let a few people move into the fifth dimension. Like Jesus did. Like the Buddha did. We need a lot more people walking on water because that's going to capture CNN's attention. Can you imagine? There's a whole group of people down at PCH and they're just walking out on the water. Yeah? Why not? Because it's done. All you have to do to walk on water is shift into your etheric form. Your etheric form carries your physical form. Your etheric form walks on the etheric form of the water. And the physical form of your body and the water cooperate. And believe me, I must say, I am not hereby prescribing that you try it out. Nor am I prescribing that we even attempt to do it. I'm prescribing that we do what's more meaningful because that's just kind of like a hat trick. What's more meaningful in the fifth dimension is for me to know that you and I are not just philosophically one, 
which is a nice saying, but are one. What hurts you, hurts me. What helps you, helps me. And if I help you, I've helped us both. Because a fourth dimensional tatwa is fire. And that's why Baba Siddhi Chand was part of the Udasis, which always, if you see them, I, there's no picture of Baba Siddhi Chand in here, but if you see a picture of Baba Siddhi Chand, the, the eldest son of Guru Nanak, they always had fire there. Because fire represented, like an oil lamp, fire represents the fifth dimension, that which you can give and, it does, and you don't deplete your source. Love is a fifth dimensional emotion. Trust is a fifth dimensional emotion. Faith is a fifth dimensional emotion. You know when I've drawn that, that wheel of time? Right? The fifth dimensional emotions have their own wheel within them. And they're all in the upper right hand quadrant of that wheel of time. Inspiration. If I inspire you, we're both inspired. But if I'm miserable and I make you miserable, I become actually happier. <laughs> but if I inspire you, we can actually make each other more inspired. We, we feed off each other. So there have been some pioneers that went into the fifth dimension and now a bunch of stories have been written about them. One is called the book which in Latin is called the Bible, right? And the Quran, the Torah, the Bhagavad Gita, all of these great scriptures, wonderful scriptures, are talking about what you can do. Period. All you have to do is begin to release your attachment to the fourth dimension. And the third dimension. And the second dimension. And the first dimension. Because if you have too much attachment there, you don't have the ability to move into the fifth dimension. And the moment you move into the fifth dimension, you see the aura, you see the connection, you feel the feelings. Empathy, right? Fifth dimensional relation. Now understand that the cosmos is forcing us into it. You can stay out of the lead or you can allow the cosmos to move you. This is not something that you have to work and make it happen by yourself. This is something that is happening. Evolution is happening if you allow yourself to be taken by the wave the wave will take you it's always been that way with every sublimation of dimension it's always been that way those that stayed in the mangroves they perished ultimately didn't reproduce 
those that moved on to the land and became three-dimensional, evolved, here we are. And now we're evolving the Kundalini through the chakras so that we can not only experience the fifth dimension, but we can move freely in and out of it. And there is a shitstorm all around it. Because that attachment to the stasis, I mean, you hear it very publicly in the Islamic religion, but it's just as public in the Christian religion. It's just that we don't get that kind of broadcast here because we have a favorite religion. You don't. The same thing is happening in Judaism. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a natural thing. We just have to know that it's there. We just have to know that that's the reaction that is going to be taking place. And we don't have to march against the reaction. That'd be like marching against the rise of the sun. You probably won't have an effect on it. You might feel good about your life because your life has meaning. As you're dying on your deathbed and you're saying, yes, I spent every one of my days marching against the rising sun. I feel I have fulfilled my mission. And your great-great-great-grandchildren are saying, But Babaji, nothing changed. (laughs) As you die. What you can do is produce yourself to be more accepting of the new dimensional view. Breath by breath, moment to moment every part of your life except when you're driving except when you're crossing streets definitely pull yourself back to limitations right, wrong, good, bad be really two-dimensional hmm? yeah it's what Lord Krishna was saying to Arjuna wasn't it? in, in the Bhagavad Gita during the time of the Mahabharata There is times when you must live by the laws created by the humans. The two-dimensional attitudes. There are times when you must do that. That's awareness. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.